And the same is for so many of us. We put our security, our identity in so many different things. See, the reality is, is that every single one of us will worship something. The question is, what and who will you worship? Welcome to Shelter Cove Online. We are so glad that you're joining us today for this sermon. We hope and pray that this message encourages you, that you learn something, that you enjoy it. But more than that, we just pray that God would move in your life, that he would reveal some more of himself to you today. If you would like to respond to this message in any way, you can contact us at sheltercovelife.com. Have an amazing rest of your day. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Are there any 49er fans in the house today? Wow. A lot of you. Any Eagles fans in the house? Good. Three of you. That's great. Hey, uh, I want to give a shout out to those joining us in the loft, those online. So glad you guys are here with us today. My name is Jeremy. I'm one of the pastors here. And if we have not yet been able to connect, I'll be in the ministry mall after the service uh, we'd love to say hi to you. Hey, not only is there a great football game going on today, but there's going to be more cheering, more applause, because we got a pool party right here. we got baptisms going on in our service, which is great. Uh, we got some people signed up already. Uh, baptism is really that first step of obedience. It always follows belief. And so maybe you're here today and you have not yet been baptized as a follower of Jesus Christ. You didn't sign up. No worries. We got towels. We got T-shirts all that kind of stuff. So you're going to have the opportunity to come forward at the end of the service, uh, get baptized in one of these hot tubs. The water's nice, comfortable, warm. You just can't hang out in there too long. We're going to ask you to get out, all right? So super excited about that. Um, also, just super excited about this series and this message uh, for today. We're in a uh, five-week series titled, Why God? And over the month of December, during the Christmas light show, we gave you the opportunity to ask questions about faith, about life, about God. And what we've been doing is turning to God's word and finding out what God has to say about your questions. So week one, we started off with a doozy. It was, if God is loving, why is there pain and suffering? Last week is, was the question, why is marriage so hard and how does my marriage thrive? And the, today what we're talking about is we're talking about, will I go to heaven? Will I go to heaven? And so if you've got your message notes, grab those out. If you have your Bibles, meet me in Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18 is where we're going to be hanging out today. And uh, before we dive into this passage, let me just set up the context. Uh, because the answer to this question uh, is exclusive. The answer to this question is not politically correct. Uh, the answer to this question is offensive. So turn to your neighbor right now and say, it's going to be okay. Okay? It's going to be okay. Turn to your other neighbor and say, don't be offended. All righty, good. You guys are with me. Here's the reality. We are talking about something that's reality, and it's something called absolute truth. What is absolute truth? It's something that's true at all times, at all places. It doesn't matter the circumstances. For example... There is no such thing as a round square. One 
plus one equals? Yeah, some of you are a little bit slow on that, and I heard somebody say three, all right? I'm a little bit concerned right now. Uh, one plus one will always equal two. And, and here's the problem with our culture. The culture that we live in rejects the idea of absolute truth. Uh, they want to be accepting of everyone. No one is wrong. People want every opinion tolerated, no matter how ridiculous it is. And so here's what uh, truth is not. Truth is not simply whatever works. Truth is not simply what is coherent or understandable. Truth is not what makes people feel good, because unfortunately, bad news can still be true. Truth is not what the majority says is true, because 51% can still be wrong. Truth is not what is comprehensive, because a lengthy, detailed presentation can still result in a false conclusion. Truth is not defined by what is intended because good intentions can still be wrong. And lastly, truth is not simply what is believed because a lie believed is still a lie. And sadly, the reality is, is we live with a culture where there's a couple lies that are believed. One of the lies that's believed is that Jesus was not God and the other lie that's believed is that salvation is not through faith alone. And the truth is, is that Jesus is God, and salvation is by grace through faith alone. And I am so glad that we have God's word, God's word that is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. It's unchanging, just like the person of Jesus Christ, unchanging, the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna turn to God's word and we're gonna see what God has to say about this question, will I go to heaven? What must I do to inherit eternal life? Because this is a question that's been asked for thousands of years. So if you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 18, if you don't have a Bible, the verses are up on the screen, and we're asking the question, what must I do to go to heaven? In verse 18 of chapter 18, it reads this way, a rich young ruler asked him, speaking of Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and mother. And he said, all these I have kept from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad for he was extremely rich. Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God of God. Those who heard it said, then said this, then how can it, then who can be saved? But he said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. And Peter said, see, we have left our homes and followed you. And he said to them, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come eternal life. Heavenly Father, God, right now, would you quiet our hearts, would you quiet our minds? 
God, that we would not be thinking about what we're going to be doing later today. God, the challenges going on in our lives. But God, that we would hear you speak directly to us. God, have your way in our lives today. God, I pray that you would help me speak with clarity, with passion, with boldness. And God, that you would change us. God, for those that are here today and they've got questions and they're skeptics and they just struggle to believe or they're not right with you, God, I pray that today would be a day where you reveal your love and your plan like never before. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. What must I do to go to heaven? Now, for some of you, you don't have any idea the answer to this question. Others of you, you do. And my prayer is that moving forward in the days and weeks to come, when somebody asks you this question, you would be able to give a clear and concise answer of what someone must do to inherit eternal life. And and there's four simple points to this message. The first thing that we need to do is admit your sin and repent. Admit your sin and repent. Here was the challenge with the rich young ruler. He asked a great question, but he had pride in his life. He didn't see himself for who he truly was, a sinner in desperate need of a savior. He he thought that he was obeying all of the laws. Now, there's over 600 laws in the Old Testament, but there's really 10 that we focus on in Exodus chapter 20, where God gives the 10 commandments. The first four have to do with our relationship with God. The next ones have to do with our relationships with other people. And this is what it says. Uh, These are the 10 commandments. You shall have no other gods before me. Two, you shall not make idols. Three, you shall not take the name of the Lord God in vain. Four, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Five, honor your father and your mother. Six, you shall not murder. Seven, you shall not commit adultery. Eight, you shall not steal. Nine, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And 10, you shall not covet. Jesus summarized those in the New Testament and said, hey, the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And what he's trying to to make this rich young ruler realize is that you've broken the first and the greatest commandment in the second. You don't love the Lord your God with all your heart. You love money more than you love God. And not only that, you love yourself more than you love your neighbor because you're not willing to get rid of everything you have to get, distribute the stuff to the poor and then come follow me. And so what is the law? The law is a mirror. The law is a mirror so that We can see ourselves for who we truly are. Falling short of God's standard. What is sin? Sin is missing the mark. It's missing the bullseye. Why? Because God is holy. God's a God of perfection. He can't let imperfect people into heaven, which is why Jesus came to die for us. But it's a mirror to see ourselves for who we truly are. 19 years ago, when I moved to Modesto, I got to go to the DMV. That was fun. Uh, I got to go there. I had to get my picture taken, get my license renewed. And I knew I was getting my picture taken. So when I got to the DMV, went to the bathroom just to make sure, you know, my hair was okay. No sleepers in the eyes, nothing going on, you know, in the nose or anything like that. Um, and, and so I'm standing in the line. There's a line of people getting ready to take their picture taken. And I turn around and I look and there's this, this older gentleman, about 80, um, behind me. He didn't have a whole lot of hair on his head, but I noticed there was something on his head. I turned around and looked again. I started smiling inside because I realized it was a swirly piece of bird poop. 
I don't know how it would ha how it happened. Like you would think if you were walking around the road and all of a sudden, a boom, you felt something on your forehead, you would notice. And I, I felt bad to this day because I didn't say anything. But how do you address that to somebody? Hey, man, how are you doing? Good, hope you're having a great day. By the way, you got some poop on your face, right? Like, I, I, I don't know. It was weird, but he didn't look in the mirror. One of the things that we need to do as Christians, we need to look in the mirror so that we are realizing that we are sinners in desperate need of a savior. In fact, Romans puts it this way. Romans chapter 3, 23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us. So remind your neighbor of that right now. Turn to one of your neighbors and say, you are messed up. Just do that. Good enough. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you're a really bad sinner. Don't you feel good about yourself right now? See, here's, here's what's amazing. I, I, I ask you guys to do that and you're like, with a smile on your face, oh, you're messed up. You're a really bad sinner. And that's the truth, but here's the reality. In Romans chapter five, it says where sin increased, grace increased that much more. Amen. So I don't know where you've been, what you've done, but if you're a sinner, if you're feeling messed up, if you feel like you've broken the heart of God, welcome to the club. Every single one of us have issues. Every single one of us have struggles. Every single one of us have broken God's heart. The question is, is are you willing to admit that? Not, not only are you willing to admit that because you can know something, but are you willing to do something about it? You know, my uh, dad was driving uh, when I was a teenager, my two brothers in the car, downtown Sacramento, we're in the, the middle lane and all of a sudden there's cars coming from us in all directions. He didn't realize we were on a one-way street. He had one of two options. He had the op option to just keep going straight forward, and if that was the case, I would not be standing here today, um, or to get off and make a right-hand turn. He made a right-hand turn. Why? He realized that something needed to change, and he was going in the wrong direction. It's the same with us. That's what it means to repent. It's the, the change of thinking that leads to a changed mind. Some of you are thinking like, man, I'll, I'll always be this way, or this is my reality, or God can't change me. Some of you, your biggest issue in life is your thinking needs to change, because if your thinking changes, your life will change. Somebody asked me via text message uh, on our platform, how do you know if you're on the right path of life? How do I know if I'm doing the right things? Well, Jesus answered that very clearly in Matthew chapter 7. Jesus said, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And there are few that find it. How do you know if you're on the right path? It's the narrow path, it's the way of Jesus. It's following Jesus. What does it mean to follow Jesus? It means to be like Jesus, to imitate Jesus, to wherever Jesus goes, you are following, but the first thing that we need to do is we need to admit our sin and repent. Admit that we're not good. The Bible says that there is no one good, not even one. Second thing that we need to do is point two. Sorry about that. Believe Jesus is the only way to God. Believe Jesus is 
the only way to God. You know, for, for so many of us, we're tempted to put our faith and our trust and our confidence and our security in something else. For this rich young ruler, what did he do? He put his security in not just money, but he put his security in himself. He thought, you know what? Uh, as long as I'm a good person, as long as I've obeyed the commandments, as long as the good deeds outweigh the bad, uh, like I'm gonna be saved. And friends, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that the only way to heaven, the only way to God is believing in the finished work of Christ. It's not about what we do, it's about what Jesus Christ has done. Now, this is what it says in John 14. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where we are going. How do we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Somebody asked the question, hey, do only Christians go to heaven? Well, Jesus answered that question. This is what he says. He says, no one comes to the Father except through me. It is only those that put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ that can know they will spend eternity in heaven. You know, a lot of people will say, but I've done good deeds. I'm a religious person. I feel saved. I go to church. I was baptized. I was confirmed. Uh, I pray and read my Bible. I fast. I serve in the nursery. None of that will get you saved. Side note, our church is exploding, and if you want to help out in the nursery, uh, that will get you some bonus points in heaven. Here, here's, what I love about our, here's what I love about our church um, and this is totally side note, we, we've got so many kids at this service in the nursery. Uh, our nursery director, Tina, who is unbelievable, unbelievable. She asked a few people to stick around and stay and not be in here, and they did it like that. Why? Because they want to take care of your kids so you can sit in here, hear the word of God. That's what makes this church so special. People are willing to jump in and serve. And boy, if you're not serving right now, come to the serve rally on February 5th, all right? I didn't say that in any of my other messages, but I just want to throw that out there. That's what makes this so special. We got to believe that Jesus is the only way. I love what it says in Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4 says, and there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. From what? Our sin. So this is what separates Christianity from every other religion. Only Christianity deals with the sin issue in our lives. Can't earn salvation. Don't deserve salvation. Jesus died went to the cross in our place for our sin so that we can have life. It's the beautiful exchange. What did Jesus do? Jesus took our sin upon himself and he gives us his righteousness so that when God sees us, he doesn't see us. He sees his son, Jesus Christ. It's only through Jesus Christ that we are saved. Now, now why Jesus? Why? Because Jesus lived a perfect life. Jesus is God. Jesus proved that he was God so many different ways, but not only that, he claimed to be God. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. When Jesus asked who he was, he said, before Abraham was, I am. In other words, I've always been. He was claiming to be God. People wanted to throw rocks at him, stone him. They're like, man, this is blasphemy. 
And yet Jesus uses this I am statement several times in the book of John. He says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the truth and the life. I am the true vine. Why? Because Jesus is God. Jesus has the power to forgive sins. In the Gospels, when some guys brought somebody to Jesus that was paralyzed, um, he, he said, your sins are forgiven. And people are like, what? You don't have the power to do that? He's like, what's easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or get up, take up your mat and walk. And he said, that you may know that the Son of Man has the power to forgive sins. Get up, take up your mat and walk. Jesus has the power to forgive sins. Jesus came to us from heaven. Jesus proved himself at the resurrection. See, Jesus is the only one that died and came back to life. All the other religious leaders, where are they? They're in the grave. Where is Jesus? He's in heaven waiting to come back to take us with him. That's what separates Jesus from every other religious leader. See, Jesus lived a life we could not live. And he died a death we should have died. And he rose to give us a life that we could never live without him. First thing that we need to do is admit our sin and repent. Second of all, we need to believe that Jesus is the only way to God. Thirdly, receive the gift of salvation. Receive the gift of salvation. It is a gift. When I was uh, 19, 20 years old, I had a friend of mine that called me and said, Jeremy, you're not going to believe this is about 5.30. Hey, I got front row tickets to the Sacramento Kings game in two hours. They're playing the Orlando Magic, Shaquille O'Neal. I can come and pick you up in a half hour. Can you go? And I said, you know what, man? I've, I've got a paper I'm working on. I'm going to be up late tonight, and I, I don't think I can do it. He's like, bro, Shaquille O'Neal. And looking back, I wasn't a very good student. I have no idea why I rejected such an amazing opportunity. It's like, Jeremy, front row seats, almost at half court. You don't want to go. I'm like, sorry, man, I can't. To this day, I'm still kicking myself. I'm like, I cannot believe I rejected that. Well, about a month and a half ago, another friend called me up and said, hey, got some tickets to a Kings game. Yes. He's like, you know what? They're about you know, five or six rows back. Uh, it's going to be awesome. They're playing, uh, they're playing Denver. It's going to be a, a, a great game. So I get there, and we, we sit down. I'm like, man, these seats are amazing. You can hear the guys talking on the court. And he's like, hey, let's go get some food. I'm like, what do you mean, let's go get some food? We had an all-access pass to a lounge. They had all the food you could want, all the soda you could drink, all of the dessert you could want, all the candy. In fact, I was grabbing handfuls of candy, just putting it in my pockets. It was unbelievable. And not only did they have all you could eat, they had ribs that night. I didn't have a whole lot of other food, but I did tap out about 19 ribs. It was unbelievable. That night forever changed my life. Here's why said yes, said yes to the, the gift. Once I said no, then I said yes. Here's the reality for you and me. We will do one of two things with the gift of Jesus, the gift of salvation, the gift of heaven. We will either reject it or we will receive it. That's it. 
We will either reject or receive the gift of Jesus. Now again, in this culture, wealth was seen as something maybe if you were wealthy, you were honoring the Lord. And this rich young ruler, uh, he, he's, he's got a lot of money. The Bible says that there's nothing wrong with ha- having a lot of money. His problem was that his identity and his security is in what he had instead of Jesus Christ, who he could have. And the same is for so many of us. We put our security, our identity in so many different things. See, the reality is, is that every single one of us will worship something. Question is, what? And who will you worship? Receive the gift of salvation. This is what it says in Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I love that, the the free gift of God. See, sometimes the greatest thing is, 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 it's the hardest thing, is humbling ourselves humbling ourselves and receiving this free gift of God because salvation is by grace alone through faith. Ephesians chapter two puts it this way. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. In other words, you contribute nothing to your salvation. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Uh, You know, I'm amazed at how often like people want a job and they're like, hey, what's the the least amount I can do to still have a job? I'm amazed at how many people go into marriage and they're like, okay, I wanna get married, but what's the the least amount of commitment, love that I can do to, to still be married? Here's the sad reality. So many people approach Christ that way. Hey, hey, hey. What's the least amount of commitment I can do so that I can get to heaven, but so that I can still be in control of my life? Friends, it doesn't work that way. When you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you're saying, hey, you call the shots. You're in the driver's seat, God. I'm in the passenger's seat. Speaking of that, my son is 16. He's got his permit. We are working on driving. Pray for your boy, all right? My prayer life has been amazing the last three weeks. It's been incredible. In fact, if you want to increase your prayer life, find a 15 or 16-year-old that's learning how to drive and say, hey, I'll take you on the freeway and watch what happens. But, it, but it's been amazing because uh, he, he had his first uh, driving lesson uh, about a month ago with precision driving. And I looked in the vehicle and the person that's on the passenger's seat, the, the, the driver teacher, they've got this bar that goes across and if they wanna step on the brake, they can step on the brake. And I'm looking at that, I'm like, that's cheating. I don't have one of those in my car. Well, what happens if I want you to stop? I just yell, stop, that's it. But here's, here's the point. I have zero control. I'm in the passenger seat. He's in the driver's seat. Is he gonna make mistakes? Is he gonna freak me out? Of course. But with Jesus, when he's in the driver's seat, he never makes mistakes. He's always good. And when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you know the final destination. Now, you may not know the bumps. 
along the road, the curveballs, the corners. But if you know that you're going to heaven when Jesus is driving, man, you can sit back and you can relax and you can enjoy the ride. Why? Because he's got it covered. Because he's in control. See, salvation is not based upon what we do. It's based upon what has been done. What do we need to do? <clears throat> we need to admit our sin and repent. We need to believe that Jesus is the only way to God. We need to receive the gift of salvation. Again, you will either receive it or reject it. And then lastly, walk in the assurance of salvation. So often I, I hear Christians struggle that, hey, maybe I can lose my salvation. Friends, let me be crystal clear with you. There is nothing you could ever do to lose your salvation. In fact, turn to your neighbor and say, nothing. It looked kind of creepy because some of you actually whispered it like I did. There is nothing you could ever do to lose your salvation, and here's why. There's nothing you did to contribute to it in the first place. Once you give your life to God, this is what the Bible says. Jesus put it this way. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life. Again, it's a gift. And they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Now, does this mean once we go to give our lives to Christ that we're never gonna have any struggles or challenges or, or sins anymore? Of course not. We're gonna struggle the rest of our lives. Here's the difference. Is that our sin bothers us. Our sin bothers us because we know that we're forgiven. And boy, when you give your life to Jesus Christ, you're forgiven from your past sin, your present sin, and your future sin. So that sin that you're gonna do tomorrow, next week, next year, that you don't even know about, God does, and he's already forgiven you. Some people will say, well, I'm just gonna live life how I want because I know I'm gonna be forgiven. No. When we understand the grace of God, it compels us to love him more. Because we know that we are undeserving. We know that we are loved and we wanna love God the way that he loves us. First John puts it this way. Whoever has the son has life. And whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. Each of us will fall into one camp. Either you have Jesus or you don't. And he goes on and says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Let me end with this. Every single one of you will have eternal life. The question on the table today is where will you spend it? Because there's one of two, two places. It's a place called heaven where Jesus is at, where there's no more pain, no more suffering. It's better than we could ever comprehend. But there's also a place called hell 
prepared for Satan and the demons where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. But all who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. The rich young ruler, he walked away sad because he was a person of great wealth. What happened after that? We don't know. We don't know if a, a year later, a month later, a week later, 10 years later, he ended up going back to Jesus. Some of you here today have put your security in yourself, your works, your efforts, your money. It's your security, it's your identity, and it's how you think you're saved. But it doesn't need to be the end of your story. Today can be a day where you do the hardest thing that maybe you've ever done, which is humble yourself and see yourself in the eyes of God, the mirror of the Bible for who you are, a sinner in desperate need of a Savior, and cry out to Jesus and say, Jesus, I want to know. I want to know, I want to know, I want to know without a shadow of doubt that I will be in heaven with you for the rest of my life. And today's the day that you're going to cry out to Jesus. Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much for loving us so much that you would send your only son, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, to live a sinless life, a perfect life, to die on the cross in our place for our sins. And God, not only do we wanna know that, not only do we want to own that and be secure in that and confident of that, we want to share this message, the greatest message with other people. But maybe you're here today and you're watching online, you're in the loft, you're in this room. You came here today and the question, will I go to heaven, is not a question you could honestly answer. I want you to leave today answering that question with confidence, with a confident yes. It's not a special prayer, it's, it's a heart. It's a heart that says something like this, Jesus, sorry for my sin, I own it, I repent, I turn to you. I want Jesus, I want your forgiveness, I receive it, I recognize it's a gift, and with your forgiveness, and with your grace, and with your mercy, I know that today is a new day to walk in your grace, it's a second chance, knowing that my security is in you, my eternity is in heaven, and I want the rest of my life to be the best of my life. Sure, it may not be easy, God, but I believe that with you all things are possible. So I give you my life, I give you control. With all heads bowed, nobody looking around, this is a private moment between you and God. If that's your prayer, the cry of your heart for the first time, will you just raise your hand and look at me wherever you're at today? You say, you know what, Jeremy, that's me. Good, I see that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand. Anyone else? It's the greatest decision you could ever make. Good, that hand. 10 more seconds to change your life. You've been saying no to Jesus for too long and today you wanna say yes. Good, that hand. 
Jesus wants you. He's knocking on the door of your heart five more seconds to change your life for eternity that you can leave here knowing that you will be in heaven. Is there anyone else? God, I thank you so much for the hands that were raised and the hearts that were changed today. We love you because you first loved us. It's in Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen and amen.